been to my house yet? Everybody's welcome, you know. Started way back in 1971. Old Walt built a park in a swamp, and it looked like fun. So I hopped in my car with my dad and we gave it a try And I fell in love with a mouse with a gleam in his eye I'm a Disney freak, I got my annual pass I don't miss a thing cause I walk real fast I know every part like the back of my hand And if you're going with me, I have your day off with M-I-C-K-E-Y, I'm a Disney freak Welcome to this very special, very personal, and what I hope will be very entertaining and enlightening edition of Two True Freaks. Hi, I'm Scott Gardner, and I am a Walt Disney Worldaholic. I'll also be your host for this episode, which I have entitled, So, You've Decided You Want to Go to Walt Disney World. The idea for this show and the series of shows that I hope it will inspire comes from the fact that, for some time now, as word of my addiction spread, I've become kind of the official, unofficial, go-to guy amongst my friends, family, and associates for trip tips, trip reports, and general trip planning for Walt Disney World. So the idea for this show has been brewing in my brain, you know, off and on, quite a while now. And because of this, and as I am now in the process of planning my sister's and her husband and three little girls' first time trip to Walt Disney World, plus possibly another future trip of my own, you know, fingers crossed, the idea has again crept back to the forefront of my thoughts. Also, you know, with vacation season creeping up on us, what with school about to let out within the next few days or weeks for most of the kids in the U.S. and, you know, surrounding areas, and the official arrival of summer just around the corner, the season at Disney is basically at hand. So I thought this was the perfect time to kick off this series and present you what will be Scott's take on the Walt Disney World vacation experience. In this episode, we'll cover the basics of how to plan for a Walt Disney World vacation, the do's, the don'ts, and so forth of trip planning. Future installments of this series will cover actual in-park, or as I like to refer to it, in-world activities, attractions, shows, and so forth. But for the purposes of this episode, This episode is intended to help get you there, fully prepared, with your sanity intact, forewarned and forearmed, for fun and fantasy, in what I believe is the greatest place on Earth. So, let's begin. The first thing to consider when planning a trip to Walt Disney World is when are you wanting to go, time of year. This is extremely important, perhaps the most important consideration when planning this trip. Why should time of year matter, you ask? Well, because of two very important factors, heat and crowds. The Florida sun can get extremely hot, particularly in the summer months. Crowds, again, they can get pretty dense, particularly in the summer months. 
So crowds equal lines. Nobody likes waiting in lines. You know, just think of any time you go to your local bank or you know your local supermarket or what have you, and you've got to wait in line. Now you know, magnify that by a hundred. Depending on the time of year, you can be waiting in some very long lines, or you can breeze right through. Personally, I recommend going and prefer to go myself in April or October. It's not too hot. The nights are generally fairly cool, and it's considered the off season. So, if possible, April or October. But if you can't do April or October, or you just prefer other times of year, a couple others to keep in mind would be mid to late May, or even as late as early June. As particularly if you're a Star Wars fan, as these are generally the times when the Star Wars weekends are held at the Disney Hollywood Studios. Also, Christmas is a great time of year at Walt Disney World, particularly at the Magic Kingdom. If you want to go see Walt Disney World during the Christmas season and really recapture the feel of an old-fashioned, old-timey family Christmas, I would recommend going. If possible, in November, till about the week before Christmas. Lastly, mid-January is usually a pretty slow time at Walt Disney World as well. If you want to go and again avoid the heat and the long lines. When not to go? Well, it's pretty hard to tell somebody not to go to Walt Disney World. But it's generally acknowledged amongst those in the know that the summer months, frankly, just aren't the best time to go. It's hot and it's crowded, particularly for Independence Day, July 4th. Although I've never experienced it, I'm told that this is the absolutely craziest time of the year at Walt Disney World, and not recommended for the first-time Disney guest. Or casual vacationer looking to get the best bang for their hard-earned getaway dollar. Where to stay? I only have three words for this: stay on property. I really can't stress this highly enough. Not long after the opening of Disneyland in California in 1955. Walt Disney quickly realized that the illusion of his Magic Kingdom was being destroyed by all the subsequent commercial enterprises that sprang up seemingly overnight in the once barren neighborhood where he'd built his park. Often gaudy and tacky, Walt was upset by this intrusion of the real world into his carefully constructed fantasy one, and he vowed to do better. Walt Disney World was deliberately and purposely built in such a manner as to transport you. The Disney guest to another world, leaving your everyday world and all its worries behind, and make you believe it. While you're in Walt Disney World, there is no real world. Whether you're at your hotel pool, browsing at a gift shop, taking a ride or a stroll, or attending one of the theme parks, or whatever you're doing, the real world has been left at the doorstep. For this reason, above all others, I recommend staying on the Walt Disney World Resort property. But there are other practical considerations for staying on property as well. One of them is extra magic hours. Extra magic hours are literally hours that are available to you, 
the Walt Disney World Resort guests staying on property that are not available to the general park attendees who aren't staying on property. For example, on particular days, a particular park will have extra magic hours. Let's say, just for an example, the Magic Kingdom. The Magic Kingdom may open an hour or two earlier for you, the on-site guest. As opposed to the regularly scheduled park opening time for everyone else, or it may stay open hours later. Again, just for you, as opposed to the posted closing time for everyone else. This literally means that during extra magic hours, only guests staying on property can attend these events. During certain events and times of year. This can mean little to virtually no lines or wait times at all. Just imagine having an entire Disney theme park all to yourself. How cool is that? Another consideration for staying on property: transportation. You don't need a car. Park it and forget it. If you drove, if you flew in, <laughs> no reason to rent a car. You can catch the Disney Transportation Shuttle from the airport you come into to property. Once you're there, everything's taken care of for you, from monorails to buses to boats to just about any kind of transportation mode you can think of. Disney's got it all for you if you stay on property. You don't need a car. No matter where you want to get to on property, of course, in Walt Disney World, there's free transportation that will take you there. About the only flip side to this is sometimes the waits can be a little long, going from say park to park or from where you're staying to downtown Disney. But other than that, what you're saving in gas alone makes it worth taking advantage of. Lastly, and of no small consideration at all, are the amenities and the service that you'll receive while you stay on property. Disney is world renowned for its customer service. Or as they call it, guest service. They truly treat you like a guest. They they treat you like an old friend, or like a VIP. You feel important while you're there, and they will do everything, bending over backwards to take care of you while you're there. No consideration is too small or too large for them. If you've never been to Walt Disney World, you've never experienced true customer service. Incidentally, speaking of staying on property, if you're booking your trip through anyone other than Disney themselves and intending to stay on property, you'll want to make absolutely certain that the hotel you're paying for is an actual Walt Disney World Resort property. Only Walt Disney World Resort properties are eligible for the unique perks of a Walt Disney World Resort property. No matter what someone else may tell or promise you, the Walt Disney World Resort properties are Disney's Pop Century Resort, Disney's All Star Movies Resort, Disney's All Star Music Resort, Disney's All Star Sports Resort, Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort, Disney's Coronado Springs Resort, Disney's Port Orleans Resort French Quarter, Disney's Port Orleans Resort Riverside. Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, Disney's Beach Club Resort, Disney's Boardwalk Inn, Disney's Contemporary Resort, Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa, 
Disney's Polynesian Resort, Disney's Wilderness Lodge, Disney's Yacht Club Resort, Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground, Disney's Old Key West Resort, Disney's Boardwalk Villas, the villas at Disney's Wilderness Lodge, Disney's Beach Club Villas, Disney's Saratoga Springs Resort and Spa, and Disney's Animal Kingdom Villas. Preparation. Preparation for a Walt Disney World vacation is really accomplished in two stages: physical preparation and mental preparation. Now, unless you're planning to lay by the pool the entire time you're there, you're going to want to physically prepare for the Walt Disney World vacation experience. Believe it or not, vacationing at Walt Disney World and attending the theme parks can be a physically exhausting experience. The best preparation for this experience is getting in some sort of physical shape. I recommend walking, either on a treadmill or take long outdoor walks for, say, a couple of weeks at least before your vacation. It's been suggested that the average park attendee walks seven miles a day in the parks, so it's recommended that you work yourself up to being able to walk seven miles per day beforehand. But to be honest, if you're able to do that, you've got more time on your hands than I do. But you are going to want to get yourself physically prepared for all the walking that you'll do, and you'll want to get yourself prepared to step lively while you're there. No matter how much time you've got for your vacation, be it days or weeks, you won't be able to do everything that Walt Disney World offers. So you're going to want to learn to step lively. A lot of what you'll be doing in the theme parks is walking, walking from land to land, attraction to attraction, and so forth. So you're going to want to get yourself conditioned to walking and walking with purpose and stepping lively. I feel it's worth reiterating that you'll be doing a lot of walking, particularly in the Animal Kingdom, which lacks any real sort of public transport. And offers seemingly very few rides and attractions compared to the other parks, and that's really not so much that they really do have fewer rides or attractions. It's just that the park is enormous, and everything is so much more spread out than the other parks. Hence, you'll be doing a lot of walking. I put a lot of emphasis on this walking thing and stepping lively because, as we all know, time is money. Nowhere is this more true than at Walt Disney World. Let's face it, Walt Disney World vacations don't come cheap, and one of the best ways to ensure that you're getting the most bang for your buck is to be preconditioned to walking, a lot and quickly. Like the song says, "I don't miss a thing 'cause I walk real fast." Mental preparation and the preparation essentials. Probably the number one mental preparation that I always like to throw out for first timers, and this seems particularly true of first timer husbands, is to forget your preconceptions. I remember years ago when my wife proposed the idea for our first trip to Walt Disney World, and how resistant I was to the idea. Disney, to me, not having grown up a Disney fan, equaled kiddie stuff. I just wasn't in love with the idea of going to a place that was going to be all Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and Goofy and all these characters that I really didn't have much attachment to. Admittedly, I didn't know a whole lot about the park, 
You know, I knew about the Dumbo ride and certain things like that, mostly the kid elements, or what you would call the kiddie rides. And so I didn't realize how much of the park really was geared toward adults, but also adults having fun together with their kids. As my sister prepares for her first experience at Walt Disney World, she tells me that she's getting basically the same kind of resistance from her husband, that he's got these preconceptions that it's just not going to be for him. I'm here as living proof to tell you that you can get those preconceptions right out of your head right now. Walt Disney World has something for everyone, of every age. There's a reason why they advertise as being a park for the one-year-old to the 100-year-old. This is also the reason why there are an endless stream of books about vacationing at Walt Disney World, ranging from family vacations to Walt Disney World for kids, Walt Disney World without the kids, Walt Disney World for lovers, Walt Disney World for grandparents, and so on and so on. There's a reason people get married there. It's a very romantic place. And there's a reason people get addicted and come back time and time again all their lives. So put aside your preconceptions that it's just a place for kids. You just might be the one that gets carried out yelling and screaming, I don't want to go home, I don't want to go home. Like me. The other preconception to try to get out of your head is that it's too expensive or that you can't afford it. That it's only for rich people or the well-to-do. Or that average people like you and me have to use their life savings if they ever want to get to go. Now, I'd be the last person to ever tell you that a Disney vacation is inexpensive, but it doesn't have to be a wallet buster either. There is such a thing as going on the cheap, relatively speaking. For one thing, if you do your homework, take advantage of special deals and discounts that are offered all the time. Listen and follow the advice of veteran park goers, and really learn to curb yourself when it comes to extravagances while at Walt Disney World such as overspending on meals and souvenirs, for example. It can be done without running you into the poorhouse. There are books on the subject, and keep an eye out for the television special called Disney on a Dime, which is all about the affordable Walt Disney World vacation. The first thing on our list of the preparation essentials is Birnbaum's Guide to Walt Disney World. Now, other guides may call themselves the official guide, or maybe even the unofficial guide, but this is the book to have. It's Birnbaum's, that's spelled B-I-R-N-B-A-U-M apostrophe S. It comes out yearly, always numbered to whatever year it is, so this year's edition would be 2009. This is your Bible. I don't care how religious or unreligious or what religion you are, this, while preparing for a vacation at Walt Disney World and while on vacation at Walt Disney World, is your Bible. Suggested retail price on this book is $16.95 and it is widely available at good bookstores everywhere or online. Whether you're a first-timer or a veteran Walt Disney World vacationer, this is the book to have. It's basically laid out where there's a planning section, a section on the hotels, a section of all about the parks and the different rides and attractions and things like that. There's a section on the different things to do besides going to the theme parks, like the shopping, sports, other pursuits. And then there's a section all about dining and entertainment and nightlife, that sort of thing. And as I said before, there's different editions. There's an edition for kids. There's an edition for going without kids. 
Next, I would recommend find yourself a good Walt Disney World-oriented podcast to listen to. I highly recommend Inside the Magic. This was the Internet's first Orlando-based Disney podcast. You can find it at www.distantcreations.com slash Inside the Magic. This show is hosted by Ricky Briganti, and it's just fantastic. It features news and articles and informative little tidbits, and it's just a lot of fun. It's all based around Walt Disney World, and it's a good way to just learn about the park and the people that work and attend there, and learn about the general goings-on and upcoming events and just anything you want to know about Walt Disney World. It's by far the very best one out there. There are some other ones, though. A couple others you may consider would be the WDW Radio Show, hosted by Lou Mangello. He's the author of the Walt Disney World Trivia Guides. And another one that I discovered not too long ago is the WDW Today podcast, which is just a short and sweet podcast, generally around the half-hour mark, with all different Walt Disney World-related topics show to show. The next helpful preparation tip is a little something I like to call check your local listings. In the best tradition of the man, Walt Disney himself, Disney loves to promote its parks on television. Walt Disney World is frequently featured, especially this time of year, late spring, early summer, on the Travel Channel. There are a good number of fine, fun, and informative programs about all of the Disney parks that air repeatedly all vacation season long. I especially recommend any of them that feature Samantha Brown. You can also log on to www.bartlett-sloan.net slash TV for frequently updated listings of any upcoming Disney Parks-related TV listings. Next... I recommend ordering the official Walt Disney World planning video. Simply log on to www.disneyvacations.com, fill out a short, unobtrusive questionnaire that basically just asks you what park you're inquiring about and where do you want the video sent, and in two to three weeks, a package will arrive in your mailbox from Walt Disney World or whichever park you've selected, and you and your family can sit down and view a great DVD all about your upcoming vacation. Best of all, it's absolutely free. Also, consider talking to an expert. More than likely, you already know someone who's been to Walt Disney World at least once, a friend, co-worker, or family member, and you should ask them about their experience and solicit them for tips and advice. It's been my experience that those who have been love to talk about it. It's really like being in a secret club. If you don't know anyone who's ever been or don't feel comfortable approaching them about it face to face, there are a lot of online communities dedicated to sharing their mutual love of Walt Disney World. Such sites are almost always free to join and usually extremely helpful and friendly to newcomers. Armed with all this info, it's time to plan, plan, plan. Study your burn bombs guide, watch the DVD, and any shows that you can catch on television, all of what I've already told you. And then sit down and plan your trip. Plan early, plan late. What I mean is, you need to have an itinerary. And not something rigid and inflexible, nor something impossible to accomplish within your time constraints, but rather a loose personal guide 
that you can utilize to steer your course through the parks and through your vacation. Know your routes and how to get around. Know what you want to accomplish in the time that you have. And know, most importantly, what you can just easily skip or what you might miss and not be terribly brokenhearted if you do. Always keep in mind that you cannot do it all. So don't unduly pressure yourself trying to do it all. We'll get into that angle more in later shows focusing on specific parks. As you study up on the parks, pay particular attention to the eateries. If you plan to eat at anything beyond just simple counter service while you're in one of the parks, you want to make your reservations now. Some restaurants at Walt Disney World are fully booked literally months ahead of time. If you know you're going and you know when you're going, now is the time to make your reservations. I'm not really going to get much more into the restaurants as I'm no expert on them, and there are a lot of other sources you can seek out that are much more informed on them than I am. But I will recommend a couple of restaurants to you, just because I think they're pretty awesome. One is the Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater, located in the Disney Hollywood Studios. If you're a fan of the 50s-era cheesy sci-fi movie, or one who laments the passing of the drive-in movie theaters of days gone by, you're going to love this uniquely themed restaurant. Another is the 50s Primetime Cafe, also in Disney's Hollywood Studios. This one, you've just got to experience to appreciate it. If anybody tries to tell you about it, just kind of put your fingers in your ear and go la 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 because you don't really want to know too much about it before you do it. It'll take something away of the spontaneity of the experience, I think. Last one I'll recommend is the Coral Reef Restaurant. This one's located just to the right of the entrance to the seas with Nemo and friends at Epcot. And it's really like an actual undersea dining experience. It's just amazing, and I highly recommend it. And then there's tickets. My best advice on tickets is that you know what you want, get what you want, and don't pay for what you don't want. There are so many ticket options available to you that there is absolutely no reason to end up having paid for features you don't want or won't use. By the same token, make sure that if you plan to do something like attend a water park or go to Disney Quest, that you look into adding those options to your tickets as it is generally cheaper than paying the at-the-gate admission prices for the same thing. And I highly, highly, highly recommend park hopper tickets, most especially if you're visiting the Disney Hollywood Studios or Disney's Animal Kingdom, as they are considered by many to be half-day parks. I'll get more into the subject of how long it takes to do what and what parks in future installments in this series. Okay, so you've got all that out of the way. You've studied up on the parks. You know your route. You know when you're going. You've got your tickets and your reservations. Now what? Well, in the meantime, while you wait for the date, it might be a good idea, especially if you're going with children, to bone up on Disney. Here's some items from my recommended viewing list. First of all, you can't go wrong with the modern Disney classics. Films like The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Lion King are absolute no-brainers. You're going to find many different shows and attractions all devoted to these modern Disney classics. 
Also no-brainers are the Pixar flicks. These movies have been the major breadwinners for Disney in the theatrical market for the last 10 years or so. So films like Toy Story, Finding Nemo, and Monsters Incorporated are good ones to bone up on as well. The Pirates of the Caribbean Trilogy. The Pirates of the Caribbean movies, of course, were inspired by the Pirates of the Caribbean ride attraction. The Pirates of the Caribbean ride attraction was recently refurbished to be more in line with the Pirates of the Caribbean movie and now features Johnny Depp's character in the actual ride itself. If you haven't seen the movies or you're a little rusty on them, it might be fun to watch them again just so that you'll appreciate the Johnny Depp elements of the ride that much more when you get to ride it. Others to consider, for the Magic Kingdom, it's hard to go wrong with most any of the Disney classic films. However, the ones that I most especially recommend would be, of course, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Pinocchio, Dumbo, Cinderella, (laughs) it is her castle after all, Peter Pan, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Save for Pinocchio, all of these films have attractions in Fantasyland based on them. You might also want to consider, if you can find it, Song of the South, as this is the film that Splash Mountain is based on. Alice in Wonderland, the attraction that the teacups are based on. Swiss Family Robinson. This fun little kind of obscure Disney film is what the Swiss Family Treehouse is based on. And a lot of people, I think, while they really enjoy that particular attraction, have no clue about the original film that it was based on. So it's fun maybe to have a a leg up on the other people that are going to be there by actually being familiar with the film. Fantasia. Or at least the Sorcerer's Apprentice Mickey sequence of the film. It's featured several times and in many places all around the Walt Disney World parks. Also, there's just about any of the classic Disney cartoon shorts starring Mickey, Donald, Goofy, or any of the other characters. Those are all good ones to bone up on as well. And if you go over to Mickey's Toontown Fair while you're in the Magic Kingdom, you'll find references to a lot of these classic Disney cartoon shorts. And you can't go wrong with the Silly Symphonies either. You'll find a lot of references to those in Mickey's Toontown Fair as well. And if you really want to earn your super geek cred or some respect from your kids, make a point to watch Make Mine Music, Fun and Fancy Free, and Melody Time, as these three very entertaining movies have a lot of what I would dub secret references all around the Magic Kingdom to different and more obscure characters than the general park attendee may remember from Disney history. If you plan to visit Epcot, I recommend watching the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid movies, as this is what the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience attraction is based on. Also, there's a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids playset attraction in Disney's Hollywood Studios. I also recommend The Three Caballeros. This is a rather obscure early Disney animated feature starring Donald Duck, Panchito, and Jose Carioca, and these characters have recently been incorporated into the ride located inside the Mexican Pavilion. Also, Mary Poppins. 
You can sometimes find this character over in the United Kingdom portion of World Showcase, as well as possibly the Disney Hollywood Studios, often right around the front entrance, or sometimes even riding the carousel in Fantasyland in the Magic Kingdom. And also Brother Bear, as characters from that film have been spotted on occasion in the Canada Pavilion in World Showcase at Epcot. Recommended viewing if you're going to see Disney's Hollywood Studios would include the original Star Wars trilogy, on which Star Tours is based, of course. Raiders of the Lost Ark, on which the Indiana Jones epic stunt spectacular is based, as well as there's a large Raiders sequence in The Great Movie Ride. Speaking of the great movie ride, some other movies that you might want to re-familiarize yourself with that are heavily featured in that attraction would be the original Alien movie with Sigourney Weaver, Casablanca, the original Tarzan the Ape Man with Johnny Weissmuller, and of course the beloved classic The Wizard of Oz. And if you took my earlier advice about all those early Disney animated feature films, that library of knowledge will serve you very well during Phantasmic, which is essentially a spectacular special effects laden romp through many, many, many of those films, both the beloved ones and the more obscure ones. Lastly, for Disney's Animal Kingdom, I would recommend The Lion King, Finding Nemo, Pocahontas, Dinosaur, and A Bug's Life. And if you want to continue to read up and gain some excellent insider knowledge on the parks, their construction, and the incredible work and detail that went into them, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better deal than the Imagineering Field Guides. These pocket-sized books retail for about 10 bucks each and explore the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, the Animal Kingdom, and the Disney Hollywood Studios, also Disneyland in California. They contain tons of facts and trivia and really help you appreciate all that went into producing these amazing parks. These books are available in bookstores nationwide, online, and even in the parks themselves as souvenirs. Okay, so by this point, the day is drawing near. It's time to pack. What do you take? First, you want a light backpack. Always ask yourself this one very important question about everything that you plan to carry into one of the parks. Who's gonna lug it? A backpack is required equipment, but also remember that you want to travel light. Your backpack needs to be heavy duty and big enough to hold what's essential, but you don't want to break the camel's back either, especially if you're going to be the camel. You'll want refillable water bottles. No coolers. Again, ask yourself, who's gonna lug it? Refillable water bottles are a cheap way to have a drink while you're in the park. There are water fountains everywhere, and there's no cost to use them. Remember, buying drinks in Walt Disney World is ridiculously expensive. That same soda that you can get for 50 cents to a dollar at your local supermarket is going to cost you, what, like five bucks or something ridiculous in the parks. Besides, you don't want soda in that Florida sun. You want water. Along with the water... Buy some flavor packets. Those are cheap and easy to carry. You can throw them in your pocket. You don't even need the box. Most supermarkets sell these things for between a dollar and two dollars for a packet of like eight or more. Again, remember, 
drinks in Walt Disney World are ridiculously expensive. Bring your own. Next thing you'll want, and I don't know what exactly these things are called, but I call them squirty fans. You've seen people with these at outdoor events before. They're the little handheld fans that also have a spray bottle attachment, so you can spray yourself and the fan kind of mists you. These things are wickedly and ridiculously expensive in the parks. So go to like your local Dollar Tree or something like that and pick these things up on the cheap before going to the parks. Next thing, if you're taking kids, go to your local dollar store, Dollar Tree, Family Dollar, whatever you have in your area, and buy some of those glow stick bracelet things that you see kids wear, especially around Halloween time. You can pick these up ridiculously cheap before you get to the parks, and they're ridiculously expensive in the parks. Those things are sold at many times in many places in the different parks, such as during nighttime parades and during Fantasmic especially. So forearm yourself with a bunch of cheap ones ahead of time rather than pay a fortune for them when your kids are begging for them in the parks later. The same goes for those multicolored pseudo lightsaber laser sword looking things. Although, whether you want to lug one or more of those things around in your backpack all day just to save a few bucks or not is your own call. Also, if you have a digital camera, remember to empty it to dump your pictures onto your computer's hard drive before you leave on vacation. That way, you've got an empty memory card to deal with while you're there. Another big question is whether or not to take a video camera. This is one of those personal decisions that you're going to have to make, and it falls under the previous header of who's gonna lug it. If you've got a tiny little thing that doesn't weigh much, then it's probably not a big deal, as video cameras have gotten smaller and smaller over the years. But it's still something to consider that who's gonna lug the thing around, and also who's gonna be taking all the video. Also keep in mind that a lot of attractions at Walt Disney World, it's particularly show attractions, they don't necessarily want you videotaping these. And even if videotaping is allowed, try not to be one of those people. You know the types I mean, the ones that are really obnoxious with their video cameras. Also something to consider, if you have an MP3 player, does it have a record feature? Sometimes recording park audio can be a really nice and free souvenir for yourself. You're also going to want rain ponchos. You can buy these things a dime a dozen at Walmart or your local Dollar Tree. And again, these are ridiculously expensive in the parks. And you're just going to throw it away after you use it, so why pay a lot for it? If you pick them up on the cheap for like a buck for a pack of three, then you don't care so much when you just throw it in the trash when you're done with it. You're going to want to bring snacks, snacks, snacks. Again, go to your local Walmart or dollar store and really stock up on little candy treats and little snack bar type of things. Because remember, food is ridiculously expensive in the parks. Medicine. Particularly, Pepto-Bismol or some form of anti-diarrheal medicine, I recommend the chewables. Pepto-Bismol is hard to find in the parks and again, it is ridiculously expensive. So bring your own. Also remember your regular medications if you take any. Lastly, batteries. Don't forget the batteries. If you're bringing anything that runs on batteries, you're going to want to bring your own. I highly recommend rechargeable batteries. And don't forget your recharger. Also, when dealing with camera batteries, there are places in the parks that will actually recharge your batteries for you. 
One in particular is the camera center in Future World in Epcot. And I'm going to keep saying it, batteries are ridiculously expensive in the parks. Bring your own. If you haven't gotten the idea by now, anything that's sold in the parks that you're going to need that you could possibly buy outside the parks before you even get there, that's the way to go. Everything in Walt Disney World is ridiculously expensive. Save yourself some money, buy your supplies on the cheap ahead of time. What not to bring? Well, first of all, don't bring any weapons. This seems like a real, well, duh, situation, right? Well, you'd be surprised. There was a story in the news not long ago about some nut who supposedly forgot that she had a loaded gun in her purse. Not the kind of thing you want to try to sneak through Disney security. I've heard a lot of people wondering about bringing babies and thinking that Walt Disney World is a totally inappropriate place to bring a baby. This isn't necessarily so. Sure, they can't ride a lot of the attractions, but there are benefits to bringing a baby, and they will get something out of the experience. One little thing I like to call the baby bonus is the ability to do what's called the baby swap. If you wait in a particular line, say, Splash Mountain, when it gets to be your turn, you simply tell the attendants of the ride that you're doing a baby swap. One parent gets to ride, and when they're done, they hand the baby off and the other parent gets to ride. If you have children with you that are already of the age or in the height requirement to be able to ride the attraction, they can actually ride twice one time with each parent. And Walt Disney World used to give out little certificates to the toddlers and little ones that were too young or too short to ride attractions. I don't know if they still do this, but I believe they probably do. And they're nice, actually frameable certificates with the child's name on it. And also, there's plenty of play areas and special accommodations for little ones to enjoy themselves, just like the big kids. Getting back to what not to bring, however, I highly recommend renting strollers when you're in the park. It's one of the few park expenses of this type that I'll actually recommend because, let's face it, hauling around a stroller is a pain in the butt. If you can get away with going from your room to the park without a stroller, just rent it once you get there. That way you avoid all the hassle of folding yours up and lugging it to the bus or monorail or boat or whatever transport you're taking to get where you're going for that day. You know the routine, I mean. It's such a headache. It's worth every penny to simply stop by Stroller Rental. They're all conveniently available first thing at the entrance to each of the parks. And use one of theirs for the day. What to wear and what not to wear. First of all, a what not to wear. Don't wear brand new shoes. I know lots of people that'll buy brand new shoes, brand new sneakers or tennis shoes just before they go on a Walt Disney World vacation. This is nuts. Believe me, Walt Disney World is not the place for you to break in brand new shoes unless you love blisters and aching feet. Wear the most broken in and comfortable walking shoes you own. Don't worry about what they look like. There are going to be like a zillion people there, none of whom you know, and would you rather be comfortable or fashionable? This one's more directed at the guys. Wear Rob Liefeld shorts. What, you ask, are Rob Liefeld shorts? Those shorts with pockets, pockets, pockets. Pockets all up and down the sides and all over the back and just basically as many pockets as you would want. You're going to want to store all kinds of stuff in your pockets while you're there. It beats lugging it around in the backpack and you can save your aching back a bit. 
you're going to want a hat, even if you're not particularly a hat person any other time. Cover that cranium. That Florida sun is merciless, and the last thing you want is a sunburned bald spot. You got one, admit it. Cheap sunglasses. If you shop around, you can literally pick up sunglasses for a buck. Remember, sunglasses are ridiculously expensive in the parks. Bring your own, bring cheap ones that you're not going to cry about if you break them or lose them. You might even want to bring a couple of pair. This probably falls more under what to bring rather than what to wear, but you'll want to bring, depending on time of year, a jacket or a sweater, and you might even want to pack some long pants. Really? Yeah, really. Believe it or not, sometimes the Florida nights can get rather cold. I remember one year we went in either April or October, and we were dressed just fine for during the day with our shorts and t-shirts, but when the sun went down, we froze. So if in doubt about your time of year, you might want a jacket, sweater, and some long pants. In the car. Assuming you're driving, of course. If you're traveling by car, especially with children, the most important thing, especially if you're the driver, is keeping your sanity. Avoid the, are we there yet, as much as humanly possible by considering bringing some of these items. A portable DVD player. These things have come down a lot in price, they're fairly inexpensive now, and a great sanity saver in the car. Consider bringing some Disney and some non-Disney movies. I'll talk a little bit more about this later on. You might even want to bring your free planning DVD that you ordered. You did order it, right? Kids love that DVD. It shows them what they're going to see when they get to Walt Disney World. You might want to consider some sing-along CDs. Or maybe not. But Disney does produce a lot of excellent CDs, many of them featuring park-specific audio. It's kind of fun to learn the songs to the attractions that you'll be seeing and kind of have a leg up on things before you even get there. And remember, if necessary for your own state of well-being, you can buy decent personal headphones at your local Walmart for under five bucks. There's some excellent books that you can read that are park-specific, too. A popular series for both kids and adults is Kingdom Keepers, a sort of Harry Potter meets Walt Disney World, Birnbaum's Walt Disney World for Kids Guide, the Walt Disney World Trivia Books by Lou Mangiello of the WDW Radio Show Podcast. There's at least two volumes of this, and they're fairly inexpensive. A while back, my youngest son made a discovery at a bookstore, The Carol Marsh Mysteries, book number 11, The Mystery at Walt Disney World. He loved this book and raved about it, so I highly recommend it. And of course, there's all kinds of Disney-related coloring and activity books that can be had fairly cheap at Walmart and dollar stores in most any town. Hey, thanks for being such a great test crew. Come back and ride anytime. Bye now. I mentioned non-Disney movies a moment ago, because there's one last thing I'd like to discuss that no one likes to talk about. The trip home. At some point, usually on the drive back, I invariably come down with what I've come to call post-Disney syndrome. Let's face it, the real world can be a drag. Coming back to it, especially coming down off that Disney high, can leave you feeling a little blue. So, I recommend maybe taking a break from all the Disney on the return trip. 
Bring other movies, other books, other activities. There will be plenty of time later to look at, watch, listen to, and read all the vacation pictures, Disney movies, Disney CDs, and Disney books you bought while you were there. That's about it for trip preparation, and we'll have plenty more next time as we delve into the first of the actual parks themselves. And I offer you my take on the Magic Kingdom. But before I go, I wanted to read to you some of the feedback I got from a thread I started on our forum, soliciting hints and tips from our listeners. First up is Frank Castle, and Frank just says, "Mine's pretty easy. Don't go during the summer or the weekends. I know, pretty simple, but the difference is night and day. I think that's pretty good advice." From Justice on the forum, he says. My wife and I are both huge Disney fans. We got married there in 2000. Well, congratulations, Justice. Some things off the top of my head. When in doubt, go to the left. Lines are shorter. This is especially true on Pirates of the Caribbean, and it's a small world where the line distance is shorter. It has something to do with right-handed people. I've actually heard this piece of advice before, and I think I failed to follow it, but I'm going to give it a try on、uh, on my next trip. He continues in that vein. Start the Magic Kingdom in Adventureland and work clockwise. Studies show that most people start in Space Mountain and work counterclockwise or in Fantasyland. I'll give you my own personal take on that next time when、uh, I discuss the Magic Kingdom. But that's not a bad piece of advice to start in Adventureland. Use fast passes wisely. Make sure that you get the hot rides, Midway Mania, and Expedition Everest come to mind first. They tend to run out within an hour. You can get another pass when the first one expires, or two hours later, whichever comes first. Don't buy them on eBay; they are fake. You don't have to go on the designated time; that is the earliest you can go. This is also sound advice, and I haven't discussed fast passes yet. That's coming. Buy ponchos before you go, preferably in the dollar store. Excellent advice. It used to be that you could make food reservations at on-site Disney restaurants 180 days. I think he meant to say 180 days in advance. I think that changed to 90, but that may only be for off-park guests. The Disney dining is worth it. I think he means the Disney dining plan. And he says he'll post more things as he thinks of them. Excellent. From Rich CG, he says, if planning a trip, if you can always go the week before a major holiday, it's empty. Like the week before Thanksgiving week, the week before Christmas, less families because of schools not being out yet until the week of. Trust me. Again, this is excellent advice. And that's all we have for now. If you have advice on Walt Disney World tips, tricks, hints, anything of that sort, just go to thecomicforums.com. Scroll on down until you see our forum, Two True Freaks, and click on the thread entitled "I Want Your Best Walt Disney World Tips and Tricks." Feel free to post, and I will read them on the show. I sincerely hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that you'll continue to listen to our show in the future. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
for your shopping convenience, this evening Main Street will remain open for an additional half hour.